All right, Inappropriate Earl is back. SoundCloud and iTunes. Currently number three on the iTunes power charts through hard work and dedication. I will still say I did not hack into iTunes, you jealous fools. Thank you to Brian Hinnigan yesterday for being on the podcast. Vicki Hamilton for telling Guns N' Roses stories over last weekend. But today... I have one of the L.A. comedy legends, someone I love, who I don't know that well, but I know her. And I always say that a lot. It's true. We see each other four times a week, but we don't really know each other. It's true. But we love each other. That's true, too. Put your hands together for the one, the only, affectionately known as the Shank, Sarah Wineshank. Hi. What's up? I mean, nothing. I'm so excited to be here. Um, you did my podcast recently, and that was fun. So I know that this is going to be fun, too. It is. I'm a one-man show, so I apologize for holding the phone with my hand. Oh, you're your own tripod. I, I don't have a Brian Redband or a, a Jamie <laughs> Vernon or a Jamie Kilstein to help me. So I have to do everything on my own. I respect that. It's tough. I respect the hustle. But you get all the glory. Yeah, it, does, it feels better, probably. I mean, I work well with others, but I prefer to work alone just because, uh, like you and Kim Congdon have a great podcast, yeah. Stone Science. Yeah, Stone Science. It's a podcast, and then also we have a web series that goes with it. And you guys are a great team. Yes, most days. What brought on uh, you wanting to do a podcast with her? Well, Kim and I get along really well because we are complete opposites, I think. Um, we have like a very yin-yang relationship. Like she, um, if I ever am in trouble and need to beat someone up, like I would call Kim, right? But if like <laughs> there's a situation that needs like, um, you know, politeness, <laughs> then you call me. You know what I mean? So we kind of balance each other out in that way. Yeah, because you are very nice. I'm nice, yeah. But I wouldn't want to see it. I think you're like me. Like I wouldn't want to see your bad side. No, I'm nice until I get pissed off. But then once I get pissed off, there it's like done. I could see you locking in. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm the same way. Like, I'm a fairly nice guy. But uh, once I feel I've been wronged, I uh, really set the sides. Yeah, you just shut down, kind of, or no? Um, I More hold rage. grudges, so, uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, I, I wish I didn't, but, at, you know, at the age of 49, I'm probably not going to change, and uh, I'm very uh, vindictive, to be honest. Vindictive. So I do whatever I can to uh, make sure uh, all wrongs are righted in my mind so uh i it would probably be better to let things go but i don't right uh but you know uh i mean do you if, if you feel someone has done you dirty as they say do you just forget about it no i normally just completely shut down shut them just shut it down like right. there's not no communication or like i'll state how i feel and then just kind of remove myself you know what i mean like once somebody i see a side of someone that i'm not into i just choose not to be around it um 
but I also am, I can be polite to a fault and Kim, Kim is good at, at, um, at kind of balancing me out in that way. And we became friends from kill Tony. So yeah. Oh, I love Kim. Like, yeah. Like she just says things how they are. Whereas I'm like super polite. You know what I mean? Like I'll be like, I'm afraid to hurt people's feelings or I'm afraid if some people don't like me. Whereas like, she's just so authentically herself that I think that from being around her, I've, I've learned how to channel some of that energy in that way. But yeah. Yeah. Kim is not uh, afraid to hurt people's feelings. No, she's not to be fucked with. (laughs) She's like the only person I was legitimately afraid to roast battle. Uh, You were. Yeah, I mean, back when I was doing it and thinking, oh, who should I battle next? And uh, I think she one time she made someone cry when she was roast battling. Probably the only time I've ever seen someone cry during a battle. Uh, I, I don't want to say who it was, but it was another female comic. And just uh, Kim got her pretty good. And then the other girl started welling up. And then just Kim just pounced on her and... It was not yeah. pretty. Yeah, she gets in touch with those, you know, Florida roots, doesn't give a fuck. There's a strong Puerto Rican side of her that comes out, and that's that's what I love about her. But we've gotten into fights before, like, working together, because we, with our Stone Science show, we have to work so closely, and we just get so, like, after hanging out so many days in a row, we were, like, so sick of each other. And she's scary, but I can be scary back to her if she, we're like sisters, you know? Right. But what is uh, Stone Science? You, because I've watched, it's very funny. I, it's one of the few podcasts I listen to and watch. Uh, how did the idea come about? Because it's kind of uh, innovative or, or yeah. original. Well, so we were, we wrote a pilot together and we did a web series together. And then we were in a lot of rooms pitching and there was just people like, oh, do you have more stuff? Do you have more stuff? Like, no, we just showed you five things. We don't have any more things. So then we're like, let's just like go home and think of more shit to pitch. So we went back to Kim's apartment. We smoked weed. And then I was like, what if we did science experiments? Hi, like, should we do that? And she's like, yeah, like, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So we smoke weed and we just put it on Periscope. And it was just us like doing like these weird water bottle tornadoes, like on a live stream on Periscope. And Gino from Speedweed saw it and was like, I want to sponsor like a 12 episode run of this. So then Speedweed sponsored it. And then we produced it and did all of that. And then um, Gas Digital ended up helping us with like post-production because we had no clue what the fuck we were doing. But it was cool. It just kind of happened naturally. So we get stoned and we just do science experiments. And how does it work now with Kim being in New York and you out here? Well, okay. So we're hopefully looking to do a season two. We're in, in talks about that. So if that happens, I would just probably end up going to New York and we would film all 12 um, in like a week and a half or two weeks period. Um, and then we, the podcast, we go back and forth with, we haven't been so regular with it lately because it's, it is hard to do it long distance, but yeah. And how's the stand up going? The stand up is good. Um, I was in Reno for a week, which, you know, it's Reno. I mean, Um, what do you do in Reno? Like I, I know I would just go to the gym and I don't know. Right. I went to Lake Tahoe just every day. So that was really fun. I was like, I can't be in Reno. It's making me depressed. Everyone looks like a murderer or they're like 85 fucking years old. Um, 
ruining their lives in casinos and like smoking indoors. It's depressing. But and then next this weekend, I'll be in La Jolla with Jess and May Peluso. And that that's fun. Yeah, that's all good. Stand up is good. Do, do you like obviously uh, Reno is a different vibe than La Jolla, which is like for the most part, uh, upper class white people. Right. Reno is like the complete opposite. Like like you said, it's I, I don't want to say low. Uh, it's uh, low class. Yeah, lo- it's, lower it's class. Disgusting. I didn't want to say it, but uh, why? I mean, you I don't have know. a lot I mean, of Reno listeners. I'll probably never be in Reno, but uh, do you adjust your comedy in terms of like content? Like, I had to because I was hosting, and I'm not very high energy normally, so that was that was good for me, I think. But then also like if there's a room full of 85 year olds, like I'm not going to do a joke that uh, the punchline is weed related in a room full of people who obviously that's not their interest. So it definitely helped me to figure out what material to do in that setting. Cause it's such a specific setting. Right. But by the end of it, I was ready to fucking get out of there. I mean, the last show I did, there was like an 80 something year old man who choked on his own vomit. Cause he was so wasted. And uh, during your show. Yeah. They had to stop the show. That's crazy. He choked on his own vomit. He had been drinking all day. He was out with his son and he just lost his shit. And his, and his son stood up and freaked out and was like, somebody needs to call 911. Like then it was revealed that his dad was just like getting fucked up all day and just couldn't keep it together and just started like throwing up and like choking on his own vomit. And I was like, I'm ready to go home now. Yeah. I don't imagine that's going to happen in La Jolla. No, I'm and sure. It, if it did, I would imagine there'd be a high-end doctor in the crowd. Yeah. See, like, I'm down with, like, um, performing in nice locations. You know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. fucking, I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know how down I am with, like, the Reno, like, lifestyle. Like, I don't really feel like I want to go to, like, Oklahoma, Nebraska. Like, it's just not who I am. You don't want to be a road comic. I don't want to be, like, a road dog. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, no, thank you. Oh, I don't either. I, I, uh, but some people love it. Like some people love doing triple runs and like the 12 hour drives for 75 bucks and you know, the camaraderie with some leatherneck headliner. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm good. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think that to help with develop a longer set, it's good. It's great in that way. You know what I mean? And it's great to be in front of different types of people, but like it, as like a, I don't want to be a road comic, and I'm I'm accepted that. Well, I think it's probably uh, harder and weirder for a girl. You know, you don't want to be a girl on the road. Not that no, you can't. You can handle yourself. And, no, but, but like, I'm like a girly girl too. Like I'm not down. I'm not down. Like I like a nice toilet. I like to know that like the shit's, everything's clean. Like I want to know that there's a Whole Foods nearby. Like if push comes to shove, like I want to be fucking comfortable and in a clean environment. And like, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm, I'm a valley girl. I'm, you know. Yeah, I you're put I, together. I mean, I don't imagine, I mean, you're always, uh. I don't want to say you're like the female version of me. Uh, certainly, you're much uh, better looking than me. But we're fashionistas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't exactly. imagine this outfit flying in Reno. Like, what the hell is she wearing? <laughs> yeah. Like, and also, I just can't. Anywhere where 
I mean, Reno is was so bad. I was like, this is disgusting. This is like Vegas's meth cousin. Yeah, it's like uh, everything Vegas isn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like it's. I've never been in a town where I just felt there's like a uh, a dark energy, like just death and <laughs> yeah. depression. <laughs> yes, and I don't know how people live there. No. I mean, when I ate at the buffet and I asked if um, they could just, you know, oh, I asked if they could put or I ordered something and I wanted it modified and it was like basic. I was like, can I just get no avocado or add avocado or something? And it was like their minds were blown because there's no like conscious consumerism. It's just like whatever's on the menu. Like people are just ordering ribeyes for like in the middle of the day and then like smoke chain smoking and like sitting at the slots and it's just like not my scene like if i'm gonna ruin my life that's not how i'd choose to ruin it um <laughs> you know oh uh, yeah and then uh it just it it's so the opposite energy of wanting to do comedy like it's just like, yeah i want to get you you want to leave as soon as you get there yeah. I mean, by the third, like the first day, I started writing down the days of the week like a prisoner and then I would cross them out. I was like, wow, this isn't healthy. Yeah. I mean, and there's so many cities like that for road comics, you know, just, you know, yeah. it's just a road to nowhere. Yeah. So what's the goal? Like, what do you want to do? Um, well, I like writing a lot and I'd like to ha release a special or an album at some point. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I love acting and writing and all of that. I'm working on a pilot right now with Chelsea Skidmore, which is, I love her. Yeah. She's a great writer. We've, it's been going really well and we're really excited about that. And I don't know, I don't really, I, just doing as much as I can things that excite me. I don't really have like a ultimate end goal, but I'm kind of open because there's just so many different things within this industry that excite me that I don't want to really limit myself and say, I only want to do this or I only want to do that. What, uh, who were your comedy? What got you wanting to do comedy? Well, when I was a little kid, I always was in plays and I was always, um, like good at them i don't know like it just came really naturally to me to be in front of people and it would never really bother me if anything like i loved it i did theater and all of that stuff and i wanted to and i did took acting classes growing up i really 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 wanted to be an actress i wanted to miss school to go to auditions there are those types of kids they're in la you know where they're missing school i'm like damn this girl got to miss school to like audition for Hook. Like, why am I still, why am I still at school? Like, what? Um, and I always wanted to do it. And my parents told me that I, I, they didn't want me to pursue anything in entertainment until after I got a college degree, which I'm thankful for now. But yeah. So then after college, I took acting class and my acting teacher was like, you like to write and you're funny. You should be doing stand up. So the first time I ever did stand up was when I wrote a set in front of my acting class. And then And how'd that go? It was weird. It was it was weird, but um and then I kind of didn't touch it for a, a while and then like I started doing it again because my first actual set was like at a bringer show at the comedy store. What bringer show? Michael Q's bringer show. There you go. And it was in the OR. 
Oh, wow. It was in the OR, and it was, like, on a Friday, I think, and I brought, like, eight of my friends. Oh, he loved you. Yeah, and then I I bombed, of course, and then I just kept doing it. But the reason I found out about that Bringer show was from, like, I did background extra work in this fucking psychopath on, um, like, I did extra work on, like, a Muppets movie. I met the psycho and he was like, I do stand up. Yeah. I'll put you in contact with my friend, Michael Q. He puts me in contact with Michael Q. And like a week later, I did my first set at the store and that was a while ago. So, yeah. And then, uh, like you say, you bombed, like, why do you say you bombed? I mean, not but like, you know, when you look back at what you originally were doing and you're like oh my god it's like humiliating like i still am humiliated thinking of like how many times before i realized oh this isn't how you do stand up by bringing out your friends like how many weird things i did like in that whole time period of like probably a year and a half two years where i would like bring out my friends because i had friends who lived here because i grew up here so a lot of my high school friends would like come out sit through my shitty stand-up and um yeah yeah just weird and the but you had the bug like you're even though in your mind you didn't do well which you know there's no bombing at a michael q show i mean yeah there's no, just but if, being there yeah totally that's true uh d- but like because i mean i bombed my first couple times uh, and i was like i still want to do this yeah i had that that i don't know what it is i don't know if it's like some type of mental illness or what you're like i I don't want to get good at this i don't want to feel like this again <laughs> but i still want to perform it really is the only job i've ever had where like you bombing makes you want to do it more right it, yeah so that's kind of what happened i mean like i would do, but i would bomb in front of like all of my friends and then I would be really upset for like a week like I wouldn't like talk for like a week like I was so upset and I was just like how can I figure this out and how did you figure it out um I remember just started doing open mics because I started to realize that the people who were good at stand-up were working on it all the time it wasn't like you'd do a set and then wait until Michael Q hits you up again for a bringer show you know that's not the move um but there's really no there's no way of knowing when you first start it's kind of just trial and error at least for me it was it was like there I didn't really have like a mentor that was like hey this is what you do it was more so like uh just by figuring it out along the way. I mean, like there's a time when, um, remember Matt Taylor used to have these bringer shows and he would give me like these tickets. I would buy the tickets. I would pay money for the tickets. Like I gave him like a hundred bucks or something. Oh my God. And then like, I would resell them to my friends and I never, I always ended up losing money, but just like had no way of knowing that this is how, this is not how it works. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, I did Jay Davis's uh, horrific bringer shows in the belly room uh, when I first started, and he would always book me because I would bring like tons of people, and he would always he would tell me I was headlining. Yeah, I I, I got that trick before too. Oh, you're headlining? I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna headline. I'll bring twenty people. Twenty people watch me bomb for thirty minutes that I've known my whole life. It's just like so humiliating. Oh my god, yeah. But and then you start to like clue on. Oh, I'm going 
I'm not headlining. I'm really just going last. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he would, you know, he would want the crowd to stay. So he would make sure you went last so your friends didn't leave. Yeah, that's what, and then be like, oh, we'll just tell her that she's headlining. Yeah, the same exact thing. But, you know, when you're that young in the business, guy or girl, you just don't know. Like, oh, this is cool. I'm headlining the comedy store. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you say you didn't have mentors, and I know what you mean, but did you uh, have, like, comics you wanted to emulate, like, you know, go, oh, I like how Sarah Silverman does it, or... I like how... I love Mitch Hedberg. Oh, he was the best. Like, I, I remember when I, when I saw him, I was like, whoa, because it was so different and unlike anything I'd seen before, and it wasn't so... Um, it just showed me that there was like different, a different style. And then I remember watching Stanhope a lot in college and that was really cool. Cause it was cool to just see like the different types of comic that weren't as, I didn't really watch that much comedy, like growing up, not really. Like we, I saw, I watched Robin Williams special. I remember watching that, but, but, um, I didn't really have I didn't really educate myself on the different types of comedy and the different styles of comedy until later. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, because your delivery is kind of, uh, it's almost Hedberg like, like it's a little yeah. slow. Yeah. Like I always kind of like, I mean, for me, like the things that I've always thought are funny have been like, I used to watch Daria a lot. Oh my God. Did you, do you know? I didn't watch it. I was. It wasn't really the genre. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I was the fan base they right, were looking for. The demographic, totally. But um, at, I remember in high school, like watching that and thinking it was so so funny. It was such a specific. She just had such a specific like voice, and it was it was the first time that I had seen like a female voice that wasn't so like happy, and like I don't know, just different types of things like that. I've always found really interesting and kind of like that deadpan, more dry yeah. style. That's I like that. I feel like that's I have a similar sensibility. I love that on a girl. Like you see a lot of guys, or not a lot, but a, you know, like I'm very dry and deadpan. But I look like I would be. Uh, like you, or like you know, this pretty bubbly girl with you know the matching outfits and like everything yeah. is perfect. I wouldn't expect you to be like Hedberg style. Right. So I, I think it's a good, uh, yeah, good mix, you know? Right. Thank you. Well, yeah, like I, um, just the things that I like to write about are normally, I like writing about weird things. They're mostly observational. It's interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, how, what, what is your writing process? Like, like cause for me, I have to have maximum distractions. I got the TV on, I've got, some shitty 80s metal album playing in the background. I've got an iPad that's on. Like uh, Some people do it that way. Some people need absolute quiet. Um, it just depends. I normally, like, I write, I, I normally have ideas at random times or if I see something and then I'll just write it down or tweet it. And then I go back through on my Twitter. I have like a Google Doc and I type up every tweet that I've written or copy and paste it to the Google Doc. Then I take the Google Docs to Mike's and work them out, like the premises or the jokes or whatever. And then I'll, I'll just keep building on them. That's kind of what I do. Now, do you get discouraged at Mike's? Because, you know, for the non-comedy people listening, open mics 
are, are the worst. From, um, because no one's really, it's primarily comics. They're not really listening. They're thinking about what am I going to say when I get up there. So it's a bit of a mind fuck to yeah. try out jokes. Yeah, that's that's kind of why going on the road or going to Reno was cool. And like I'm going to San Diego. That'll be cool, too, because it's it's hard. Um, like, but I, f I have found the mics that I like. Like there's one mic I sign up um, a week in advance. So I know what time I'm going. I'm not waiting around. It makes it a lot less painful. And I just like the vibe there. And I have like a few like that. But it gets harder because then you get more shows. And when you get more shows, you're like, well, I don't want to do new material on this show. Right. So it's like a lot of like switching out stuff and alternating stuff and figuring out what goes where. Or let's try this new thing here. See if it works. Yeah. A lot of back and forth in that. And when you perform at the comedy store, I mean, my God, it's like the number one club in the country. I mean, I, I really, Rogan said it best. It's like, you can't do new material there. Like you have no. to do what you know works. Yeah. Because everyone on the lineup is good. And whether it's the development spot or, you know, you're on a, yeah, you know, it's like, it's a lot of pressure there for anyone who's on the, any show. It's a lot of pressure there. And it, if I get a development spot and it's like the first spot on a show in the main room, it's like, I'm not going to go out cold open with, with something new. Right. But if I can work in a new one liner somewhere, I will. Cause it's tough. Like the cold open is like, you yeah. know, they're still getting their drink orders and food. And so they're not really paying attention necessarily yeah uh but i could see them looking at you like in your outfits and going okay i want to i'm going to listen to her for a second yeah it's really it's interesting because um i've always really liked fashion and i've found like the way that i present myself if i do it in in the right way it helps people listen to me more um like you'll never see me out on stage in like heels with my tits out. That's just never going to happen. It's not who I am. But also I don't think that that would work for my sense of comedy or for moving an audience to listen to what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't, you know, I think you and I have the same brain. Like I never wear really, I mean, obviously it's different. A guy, and I, you know, guys aren't going to be looking at me, but like, uh, yeah, if you have your, Tits popping out if you're a girl and tight, yeah. you know, leggings. You know, pe people aren't going to listen to you. They're just going to look at you and go, I'd like to. Yeah, it's so too much. So you could be the funniest girl. I mean, I guess Eliza, you know, she dresses, you know, uh, appropriately, but, you know, provocatively enough. Uh, but, you know, I think the way you dress is. Uh, you leave a lot to the imagination, you know, like, yeah. which is good because then people are like concentrating on what you're saying. Right. Like I never want to isolate the women in the audience too. Right. And I feel like if a woman comes up and her tits are out, it's like nobody wants to feel like you could fuck their boyfriend or husband or that their husband or boyfriend is looking at you. Like these are all things that you have to consider when you're going up in front of people and you're trying to get them to listen to what you have to say, it's not even about, you know, male or female, just about the most effective way to get people to listen to what's coming out of your mouth and not thinking about what they want to put in your mouth, you know? <laughs> well, yeah. Cause I mean, and it's tough 
this is where I think it's tougher for a woman in comedy, a, a pretty woman, uh, is that, you know, the girls are almost automatically going to dislike you. Right. Uh, and then the guys aren't going to really want to laugh in front of their girlfriends or dates. Right. You know, they're going to try and get laid by that girl in a few hours. So it's like, you know, you're already starting with the de deck stacked against you. Totally. So it's like, wow, I better be funny. Totally. Um, now, who are your fashion? Because you have an amazing fashion uh, sense. Fashion sense. Thank who, you. Uh, oh, I mean, who? Uh, like, for me, it's John Varvatos. Oh, John Varvatos. Yes, I know that you love John Varvatos. Um, and I don't get a hands. sponsorship by him. I just. Not I, yet. I, well, I'm working on it. But now I have someone who custom makes my clothes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were telling me about that. That's so cool. The amazing Brooke Worrell. I she love that. Makes Slash's clothes. Most of Guns N' Roses clothes. Uh, so I buy when I can afford. But she's reasonably priced. Uh, so, I mean, for me, it's like I look at a picture of Guns N' Roses and I tell Brooke, can you make me something like that? She's like, well, I made it. So, yeah. Uh, do amazing. you... Like you've got like a, I want to say a fifties, like. It's, yeah. It's interesting because the script I'm writing right now with Chelsea is fifties based. I'm really excited about it, but yeah, I love the fifties. Um, uh, I do dress a lot of times with like a fifties flair just because a lot of the cuts from the fifties women were more shapely then. And so they're small in their waist and bigger in their hips. So a lot of my clothes kind of, show that I'm small in my waist and bigger in my hips. Um, just like the makeup and cut of those types of clothes, definitely. But then also I love vintage stuff. Um, I love, I kind of just pick things that I like and they might not typically go together, but I try to find an interesting way to put like a skirt and a shirt that you wouldn't think would work together in a way that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I see, every outfit I see you in, I think, is Sandy D in Greece. I love that. <laughs> um, which is a compliment. Thank uh, you. Do you dress, like, I dress differently for different gigs. Like, at the comedy store, I'll, I'll slap on the leathers and, uh, you know, the Billy Idol vintage yeah. tour shirt, uh, you know, leather jacket or, you know, something, you know, of that nature. But if I'm at the improv, I'll corporate it up a little bit more uh you know do you like in reno oh in reno all of the bow ties were there <laughs> i <laughs> and many bow ties and blouses and, and but in la jolla will you since it's a little more upper crust crowd will you wear something a little more uh, fancy oh yeah like okay well i i'll i like to wear what i what i want to wear wherever regardless of venue but yeah in reno by the end of it i was like ugh, i don't even feel like putting on a bow tie for this last show but <laughs> um i love a bow tie but yeah no la jolla la jolla will be fun because i can i do think that thinking about that i will be able to wear a little fancier clothes now let's talk music okay by the way we have the bass player from slash's Slash has the longest band name I've ever heard in my life. It's Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. One of the Conspirators is watching right now. Oh. He says hello. The bass player, Todd Kearns. What's up, Todd? Winnipeg's finest. They play the whiskey tonight. Oh, that's so cool. The world tour for Slash starts 
tonight. That's uh, awesome. And they're in Jimmy Kimmel tomorrow. Uh, I like know. I love Slash, Guns N' Roses, Kiss, Rat, Weezer. Right. Uh, it's an eclectic taste of music. Uh, I, I just look at you and go, I see a little bit of a Weezer fan in you. A Weezer fan? See, I like Weezer. I'm not like a super Weezer fan. Because um, that's your... Uh, I. Picture your heyday in, like, digging music is the 90s. Yes, but I I don't know. I always, um, I listened to a lot of the music that my parents listened to growing up just because they, I think they had pretty good taste in music. Like, I grew up listening to, like, The Stones and, like, Fleetwood Mac and Van Morrison and those types of, yeah, those types of bl- Classic rock. Yeah, and then also like um, 1950s, my mom would always take us to Johnny Rockets and to Mel's. So I I grew up listening to that kind of stuff too and really liking that kind of stuff. What was the last concert you went to? Mm, Let me see. The last concert I went to. I can't think of it. That's wild. Um, I mean, was it? The last one that I went to that I loved was Nick Cave. That was amazing. Okay. It was really amazing. And then... I'm so out of the loop. I don't know who that is. No, it's okay. It's it's like he's very specific. Um, Yeah, I can't think of before that who the last one I I saw was. Um, I don't know. Do you listen to music a lot to get you in the mood for like writing or like when you're depressed? Or I mean, I'm not saying yeah, depressed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like- no, I listen to I listen to music a lot. I mean, I think one of the weird. I think it's funny, like because I do. I listen to 1950s music sometimes because I feel like it just sounds happier. Um, I think it's a weird weird feeling when you feel depressed, but the music that you're listening to is happy. It's like a weird contrast <laughs> to be listening to like the Temptations and feeling like so sad. I mean, when I'm sad, I listen to sad songs. You do? See, I go through phases. I'm like back and forth. Like, um, I remember like in high school a lot, I would listen to a lot of love songs on the coast. Oh, yeah. Which is like, there's this woman, her name is Karen Sharp. And she kind of sounds like this. And she just reads love letters. And she talks about how it's like... She ta- she'll be like, it's 55 degrees in Pacoima, 63 degrees in Van Nuys, and it's 57 along the coast. <laughs> and then she reads like love songs and shit. Um, and I remember like when I was like a hormonal teenager, like really being sad and really listening to a lot of love songs on the coast. Right, well, we're going to get into why you were sad in a yeah, second. We will. This is where I cut the Instagram live feed. Okay. Because it's like a teaser the first 30 okay. minutes. And then you're like, you want to listen to the rest? You got to go to iTunes. Yeah, go to iTunes. Subscribe. But yeah. and But subscri- subscribe to Stone Science. Yeah. Check out Stone Science. Check out my podcast, Shank. Check them all out. And uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? You can find me at Princess Shank. Princess like normal and then S-H-E-N-K. Check out, sorry, Michael J. Fox is not holding the camera. I just, I have to do everything. <laughs> so I'm the angling. Joke. I am angling the microphone right now, shutting the Instagram live. Princess Shank is the best. Follow her on all forms of social media. But we're going to keep it going. Yay. Uh, so listen to the rest on iTunes. I love you all. Yay. So when you say, because uh, comedy can be a very depressing business. Yes. 
constant rejection constant constantly compared to other people you know uh you know whether it be your act oh jesus sorry wow had the uh volume up uh, that's okay someone's horrible instagram live video was playing uh but but it's in how do you deal with it with the with rejection not that horrible instagram live music that was just playing with rejection um depression reject i mean depression, you know rejection i do a lot of different things i mean for me i have a tendency to get depressed so i really have to take an active stance against it whether it be working out i mean i just lately i've been working out a lot i feel like that helps a lot i have a therapist that i love all of that type of self-work i read a lot of self-help books anything and everything pretty much <laughs> i think we're the same person really uh, do you do you i don't go to a therapist just because I have to know the person to like, I would tell you more of my problems. Well, I think I did with one situation where it was like, I, okay, Sarah knows me. Yeah. She's going to know my, you know, she knows, uh, other, without divulging what we were talking about. She knows, uh, all the Intel and, and I, and I didn't want information from you, but I like, she knows all. Right. Like an unbiased all facts. Yes. yes. Even though we're, we're homies. You're going to give it to me straight. Like, well, this is what you should do or this is what right. I feel. And I would do the same for you. Totally. Uh, so I can't tell a stranger my problems. See, okay. I, for me, I never really found a therapist that I liked. I always felt it was weird. Like they're sitting there and they don't say anything and I'm just telling them what's wrong with me and then they're supposed to just give me advice, but I did find one that I really like, and it really has made a big difference. Um, How did you go about, cause I mean, that's crazy. Like if you look up therapist on, I guess Yelp or wherever, it's like there's thousands of them. Yeah, no, I had a friend who's like, who I, who really liked her therapist. And I was like, can I have his information? And I sat down with him and I was like, Whoa, this is what a therapist is supposed to do. Like he's give, he gives me the tools to figure out how to manage my life in a more effective way. And it's, and he always is able to help me see things that I couldn't see going into it. So it's been really uh, positive to be able to sort through some of that stuff with someone else who's like professional and is able to give me that type of guidance. Um, but yeah, definitely exercise. Um, exercise makes a really big difference for me. If I don't exercise, I, my day is kind of just, eh. Now you look like a hiker. Yeah, I am. I'm a hiker. You don't do. look like a gym girl. No. Like I don't see you at Equinox. No. Like, taking a spinning class no i've done that but i don't find it i've done like the soul cycle class well, let me tell you that shit's fucking wild have you done a soul cycle class um i love spinning because i, I just like to sweat um because i don't sweat a lot naturally yeah uh, it's probably getting too deep into my personal hygiene but uh I don't like the music they play in spin class. No, it's terrible. It's dance music. It's, it's I like, get you want to do spinning to a beat, you know, like do, do, do. Like yeah, it's like weird, like EDM music kind right, of. Right, and that's just not my scene. I mean, you know me. I, I probably have the worst taste in music uh, <laughs> of anyone Rat. you know. I mean, yeah, no one's going to teach a spinning class. Uh, a rat class. I mean, I had my yoga teacher recently. She's very cool. 
She's like, Earl, I want, I want to play a song you like. And I'm like, no, you really don't want to do that. Really <laughs> a yoga don't. class? Yeah. That would be hilarious because you like 80s metal, right? Well, she insisted. She's like, send me five songs. No. And so I sent her five songs and I thought, um, a, you know, a quiet song. So I thought a ballad. So Poison has a song called uh, I Won't Forget You Baby. And it's a very sad song because it's about <laughs> it's about C.C. DeVille, the guitar player on the road, missing his girlfriend. Okay. Who he was probably cheating on every week. but uh, Still sad. He didn't talk about that in the song. And <laughs> she played it halfway through the class. No. And I thought she would just play a clip, like, you know, 30 seconds. She played the whole song. No. And everyone in the room knew she was playing it for me. No. They just like, this guy's the only guy in here who would like this shit. Yeah. I don't think uh, she will be playing another. Was it? <laughs> that's hilarious. Was it hot yoga or regular it's yoga? It's hot yoga. Okay. Where do you do that? Hot eight yoga. I love, I like hot yoga. I love it. And I'll give, uh, you know, I take primarily two people's classes, uh, Rachel Okay. And uh, Nicole, uh, Rachel is the girl who who played that. Who for played you? Uh, Poison? And <laughs> it just, uh, I think even she realized uh, about maybe forty seconds in, this ain't working. Yeah. But she had to play the whole song. But I, I think that's hilarious. The thought of just like a whole yoga class doing yoga to Poison. For yeah. You. Well, <laughs> I would like I. It, I take yoga for the mental aspects. I'm not very good at it. I've taken it for a year and a half. Uh, I, I still have trouble holding uh, the poses. poses. But I would love to take a, a spin class or a yoga class to to rat Metallica, uh, you know, kiss. Yeah. Uh, but so I can't do Soul Cycle. Soul Cycle to me, it's just like, ugh, it's like the instructors I can't, I can't fuck with because can I say fuck? Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, inappropriate Earl. Okay, perfect. Because it's like, they always seem like actors that are like you know like all right guys we're gonna bring it home everybody saddle up it's like it's too much you know it's just too much the whole scene it's not your energy it's not my energy it makes me feel more anxious i like i'm better outside right just because nature kind of grounds me and i'm realizing that more and more lately because i get because being in comedy clubs is depressing because everyone's, uh, well, not everyone. I mean, Russell Peters is pretty happy. Uh, yeah. As he should be. Uh, you know, uh, Joe Rogan's a pretty happy dude. Uh, you know, But he also does the, some stuff to, like, work on himself. You know what I mean? Like, you start to realize that some of the people that are happier are doing this type of, like, self-work, whether it be, like, meditation or exercise or eating well or whatever. Or cannabis. Yeah, cannabis, weed. Yeah, uh... But for the most part, most people are, are struggling comics. So there's a bit bitterness and a depression and a, you know, why is this person, why is Sarah getting on and I'm not? Why is Earl, uh, you know, past here and I'm not? I'm funnier than he is. And the, like, they don't say it, which is the, even worse because you can sense it. Right. Like, everyone's looking at you or me or any other comic and why them? Right. But they're not direct about it it's very passive aggressive in a comedy club right so uh you know it, it, it's even more mentally draining trying to figure out who's not saying that to you right you know so you have to do something whether it be cannabis or exercise or i don't know read a fucking book 
Yeah. Uh, what uh, self-help, like I do a lot of self-help books, uh, audio. I don't have the patience to read. Uh, do you uh, gravitate towards anyone in particular? Yeah, I have a few. Um, there's, oh, okay, recently I listened to, the, there's this woman, Brene Brown. Oh, yeah. Do you know her? She did a talk on vulnerability. I really like that. I listened to that recently. I just ordered her book. I haven't started reading it yet. It's called Daring Greatly. Um, she also has a TED talk that she did on shame that I really like. It's kind of like the counterpart counterpart to the vulnerability talk. And then um, I listen to a lot of like lately some stuff that's kind of like manifestation focused, like laws of attraction shit. Um, oh, I love that. Abraham stuff. Hicks. I don't know if you know. I don't, I know uh, Esther Hicks. Yeah, Esther Hicks. Okay, it's the same. She says that she's channeling Abraham. It's a whole thing. Oh, I, but I, it, she's the same. Yeah, Esther Hicks. And she has a partner. She does it with uh, a male. Jerry. Yeah. Yeah, that's her husband. That's dad. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, but she talks about him. Like he's alive still. Sometimes. Yeah, she's good. She's, uh, I find her to be very motivational and profound and a lot of the stuff that she says is just about changing it's about reaching for better thoughts and working on your thinking and being more mindful of it and i think anytime that we could be more mindful of our thinking it produces better results and the worst thing that happens is that you just feel a little bit better yeah i mean uh, i like Rhonda Byrne, the secret oh, okay okay yeah this i haven't i have the secret i haven't read it in in a while yeah, no, it's but the same principles. Yeah, just see it, believe. I mean, it's very much like Tony Robbins' school of you know, see it, believe it, think it, achieve it. Uh, you know, uh, I also like. There seems to be a new wave of self help books that are a little more aggressive, like uh, um, it's, it's got the word "fuck" in it. Oh, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Yeah, I haven't read that one, but it's on my list. Have you read that one? Yeah, well, I mean, I've listened to it. Uh, I like listening to them more too. Well, my vision is so bad that it, I really strain when I read. Like, you know, I can barely get through the Bon Jovi book I'm reading right now. But I love the, that it's just out though. But the print is so big that I can manage it. I, I need big print. Big print. What about like a magnifying glass? I mean, I'm getting to that point, but uh, but like now they're making books. For people with bad vision where the print is bigger. Yeah. So I buy those. Uh, you know, like I just read Burt Reynolds' biography, Rest in Peace. Oh, was it good? I mean, I'm a huge Burt Reynolds fan, so I enjoyed it. But, you know, I could see someone like you, you know, you know, he was a little bit before your, a lot of it before your time. Right. I mean, you might have been aware of him in like Boogie Nights. Yeah. I mean, he's still an icon. Like it's, it's interesting to read about. Yeah, no, and you know, I read biographies for material. You know, maybe I can get a joke, uh, one or two jokes. You know, if there's a funny story in there. Uh, so uh, yeah, but I listen more. Yeah, I think it's easier sometimes to to take things in while to listen because I also listen sometimes while I'm doing other things. Right. You know, and so hope that I listen to a lot of self help stuff while I'm doing shit, and I hope that some of it just kind of sinks in. Yeah, like when I clean, I yeah. listen to, uh, uh, there's also another girl, Jen Sincero. Oh, yeah. I love her. I just listened to her, uh, the badass book. Yeah, you can be a badass or you are, I forget the You're name. You're a of the badass. Book. Yeah, and she has another book. Uh, 
that's very similar and but the newer books seem to be a little bit more aggressive in their approach of you know like the subtle art of not giving a fuck it's just like don't care what people think fuck it do it anyway yeah uh, where it's not necessarily something you hear tony robbins say like fuck it right uh, totally although in his that netflix documentary did you see that about tony i robbins? haven't was it good it's really good because they show him swearing like they, they show him behind the scenes going fuck this and you know like oh he's a human yeah yeah it's like oh i could because i went to his seminar a very long time ago yeah and it was just like it was amazing his energy is like you think wow how much coke is this guy on it's fascinating 12 hours he didn't take a break except for lunch uh it, it, like literally from eight in the morning to eight at night he was the same energy level and uh but i i don't know if i was behind the message because he was he's like a used car salesman like you right. can't be like this like what's the scam no one right. is like this right but the the thing that's interesting is if you can extrapolate what you need to from that then it doesn't really matter what the delivery of it is necessarily but like i agree like there's something about tony robbins that is it's almost like are you even a human <laughs> yeah, it's well because he doesn't look like one. He's like six eight. Yeah, uh, and at the end of the seminar, he he called me up on stage. He did because the there's like five thousand people in the room. And Where was it? It's at the L.A. Convention Center. Oh shit, forget. that's huge. That's yeah, was, big ass convention. It was center. like at least five thousand people, maybe more. Uh, and I think he was ending the the program on a don't judge a book by its cover. And this is when I had super long hair and, uh, you know, he called up five people. They had pre-interviewed everyone and, you know, I, I've never had a drug or drink and all that stuff. And I think his reasoning of bringing me up on stage was you probably think this guy does drugs. Because you had long Cause hair. I had long hair. I think I had like a, I think I probably had a rat shirt on and, <laughs> you know, ripped up jeans. Uh, and he's like, this man's never had a drug in his life so when you see someone on the street and you think they're a bad person because they have a nice shirt or a car or you think they're homeless because they're not dressed nice you know that was the whole point of it but he he doesn't he's so he looks like a cyborg he like, does because he's like six eight he's it's got these when he shook my hand it was just like his hand's like twice the size of mine and you know he's just this massive human being and but in the documentary like like you said, he, oh, he's human. Yeah. Like he has problems with his wife and, and uh, he's not just this cyborg. So yeah, I like the more direct approach. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the subtle art book and Jen Sincero. Yeah. Jen Sincero's book I liked. I listened to the badass, you're a badass. Um, and the only part about it I didn't like is sometimes she makes these jokes and they're like really hacky. And I'm like, ugh. I got to get over it. I just have to pretend like she didn't say that or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's, I, I don't <laughs> think, uh, I don't know if comics would get value out of her book just cause she is doing like these kind of hacky jokes. She and, does like a hacky joke and it's just like, you just, I just had to take a second and remember why I'm listening and not, you know, like, yeah, not use it as an excuse to not hear what she's saying. Now, do you, uh, you know, cause you know, marijuana is um it's a form of uh helps with anxiety and de depression uh is that why you engage in the uh in weed 
and yeah, just cannabis. Um, well, let me see. Initially, yes. Well, like I always, I like it because I feel like I'm. I my mind is a million places at once, and for me, it just kind of recenters me and allows me to kind of just let my mind just kind of be more creative. Um, but I do notice it just depends because lately I've been smoking weed. Like I don't want to be stoned all day long. Oh, and, and you you're know not. what I'm saying? But like, um, I notice that when I am more depressed and if I smoke weed, it's not a positive thing. It kind of amplifies that depression. But if I smoke weed and then I go on like a hike, that's great. That's like best afternoon ever for me, you know? Um, yeah, I definitely feel like cannabis has helped me kind of chill the fuck out. I mean, I was scared to engage in it. Uh, yeah. You know, because I'm, I'm afraid I'd like it. Uh, yeah. You know, like energy drinks. I'm constantly guzzling energy drinks and I love the the, the caffeine buzz. Yeah. Uh, and, but I, you know, comedy is very stressful. Like, like Comedy is really stressful. I mean, there's also like a lot of CBD stuff now, which is the non-psychoactive strain of cannabis. That doesn't have THC. That doesn't have THC. And that's used like a lot of people use that. And it really, really helps with anxiety. I do use that, uh, for the, uh, I have a torn ACL. So I, I, yeah rogan got me uh into that he's like well if you're worried about getting high and which you shouldn't be but like you know because i try to tell him well joe i've never done anything so like right he's like well do the cbd uh there's a drink it's like a lemonade with cbd in it uh-huh uh but then one time i overdosed because yeah. there's this place down the street that sells cbd gummies oh yeah the gummies are are can be well i didn't realize uh I, I misread the package. It was, uh, I thought it was 10 milligrams total. Okay. And there's like uh, 20 gummy bears. Right. So I thought, oh, I'll just eat the whole package. Right. Cause and yeah. So I ended up having 200 milligrams. Each gummy was 10 milligrams. I did not know that. So I literally for that next day, I couldn't feel my leg because I was like, oh, which made it. Kind of made me want to take more. Uh, yeah. I'm, an, I'm an addict uh, in uh, that sense, like exercising. I probably over-exercise and, you know, even comedy I do too much, like from the standpoint of like, I feel if I take a night off, I'm, I'm a Guilty. Loser. Yeah. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, CBD stuff. Also, if you get like a CBD rub, that kind of your body can absorb it uh, transdermally instead of having to take it orally. But a lot of times if you have pain or inflammation or something like that, the best way to do it is to take something orally, but then also transdermally. I'd be afraid if I took it like in a cream, I would just empty out the bottle and just rub it everywhere. Yeah. But I, you know, even that would probably be overindulging. Do you, so do you not, um, drink or do drugs because you have a fear of overindulgence. Yeah, I mean, any like I, uh, you know yourself in that way. Yeah, I mean, I have an addictive personality, which is good, and like, you know, I write every day. I force myself, which is that's a good side of addiction. Right. Uh, working out, another good side of addiction. Uh, you know, I guess uh, 
I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a sex addict, but like, you know, uh, when I'm into a girl, I'm into her. Uh, right. I mean, like, in all forms. Right. Uh, so that's a good thing. Uh, but then with like energy drinks, it's probably a bad thing. Uh, so I, I, I'm scared. And everyone's tried to get me high at the comedy store. Right. Because like, you're so funny, so completely stone cold sober. Right. You'd be a riot if you were just a little high. Uh, but I'm just scared to... Uh, and also at 49, it's a loser move to start... You, know, <laughs> you just become a stoner. Fucking, uh, you know, engaging in weed at 40. You know, like it's a little late in the game. I mean, it's not late, but it would be funny if all of a sudden you had like a bong when you were like a huge blunt and just yeah. like getting baked every night. Like, um, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is interesting because weed's not addictive, but there are... but. I mean, like, there's periods of time where I've been like, oh, I've maybe been way too stoned this last week. I should probably scale that back, you know, <laughs> get in touch with reality again. <laughs> but I will say one of the funner sets I had was during a Death Squad secret show. And we've done a lot. I think it was one you were actually on um, maybe a couple of weeks ago at the Ice House where, uh, let's just say, people in the podcast portion of the show were engaging in... Uh, cannabis yes and uh i got the i guess the second hand high yeah so when i got on stage I, I think i actually brought you up uh yeah but i was i guess you'd say i was high uh and i i didn't really had a fun set because i just didn't care like, i was like wow this is kind of cool see yeah but i've also okay the worst that i've ever had was in the or it was the day after I got my weed card when you still needed a weed card. And I didn't know that I was going to go up on potluck and Benji put me up and I got up onto stage and the passage of time, I had no clue how long I had been on stage. Like it could have been five minutes or it could have been 10 seconds. <laughs> and I see the light come on Did you at, panic? and I panic and I'm like, did it just come on or has it always been on? type of thing and I just didn't know and I start talking so fast and I'm talking so fast and I'm hearing the words come out of my mouth and they don't sound like how I normally sound I start talking in a fucking western accent out of nowhere like one of those crazy people that has like like someone who has a stroke and wakes up and speaks in a different language that's what happened right. regular voice to like country like out of nowhere and I, after that I was like I'm never gonna smoke or do edibles or do anything that's like gonna make me lose control before i go on stage yeah i mean that's uh i mean without mentioning names i know some comics who do smoke or edible right before they hit the stage and they're brilliant yeah uh but you know for me it was just like i mean that's when i knew i had to leave roast battle was i was thinking what if i just took an edible before the yeah. show to relax yeah I would ask Gino, the great Gino from Speedweed. Yes, he's the best. If you indulge in the cannabis industry in whatever form you do it, at Speedweed is the only person to go. Yes. Because uh, they deliver. Yes. And uh, he, he, it's all legal. And, uh, you know, Gino is a, a big supporter of sarah myself the comedy store yeah he's great uh, yeah just i was consulting with him like well, what how much would i take you know if i just wanted to calm down before roast battle because that's very uh you know stand-up is stressful roast battles 
twice as stressful. Just I know. Especially the live show because it's, you know, you have to be funny. Like, there's In no the moment. Up. Yeah. It, you know, when I was doing the heckler thing and the last few times I battled, even with Benji, I had to battle him. I was like, I, I don't think I can do this. What if I just took on Edible? And Gino broke it down. Well, I'll take half. I'll give you a, not a cookie, but a, uh, I don't know, some like butterscotch yeah candy and like you just take half and you know i i knew myself i i I would just guzzle the whole thing well yeah edibles are weird because your body processes them more like a psychedelic because they're processed through your liver instead of when you smoke it's not processed your body processes it differently so if you they're hard to navigate because you can be kind of high and then eat a little bit more and then an hour goes by and you can feel like you're on the surface of the moon all Which I would love to experience, but like then I I know I would like it, and I'd be like then I'd be like calling Gino every two hours. Gino can, can yeah. have some gummies, <laughs> yeah, please. Well, that's the thing. When plus you have access to it now all the time, so it's like if you know yourself and know that like you don't have that control, then I get that. Well, it's like when I walk Lois, uh, you know, I. I the path I take her, Lois is my dog, for those of you who don't know who I am, uh, <laughs> which is probably a fair amount of people. I walk right by uh, Med Men. Okay, yeah, Med Men's great, yeah. And I went in there once, you know, with Lois. I don't know what they put in their water bowl, but Lois is obsessed with, like, I don't know if they have weed-flavored water for dogs, but she, she doesn't go to any water bowl other than their bowl. Uh, and they're, they, they're like the... Uh, like the Walmart of of weed, like yeah, like kind of like the Apple Store. That's yeah, how they kind Walmart's of like the wrong. Uh, yeah, they yeah, have everything. Yeah, and it's like very pristine in there and organized. Yeah, and, it really is like the Apple Store. It's like yeah, they have counters with like the different strains and the gummy bear wall. It's like wow, this I would eat all these gummy worms and yeah, and when they had like protein, like they even I think they're trying to make it a little. I mean, it's healthy anyway. I mean, they give it to people who have AIDS. Uh, right. But they trying to, I think, cater to people like me who are like workout freaks and they had like protein infused uh, cannabis drinks. And yeah, like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. They're getting more because for a while it was there's just so many gummies and I was like, oh, it's so much sugar, you know. But um, yeah, they're they ha- they're great. They have a lot of great stuff, and they have more protein stuff. And then they also have like a dog section of like CBD stuff for dogs, for dogs with like inflammation or rubs and stuff, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, dogs have the same problems we do. You know, uh, bad hips or you know, you know, whatever problems with their body. That uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'd be afraid. I would like take Lois's gummies and ah, if it works for lois it'll work for me gold yeah um so now stone science deals with uh cannabis related uh projects you also have a second podcast i don't know how you do two podcasts yeah this is enough for me uh called shank shank yeah shank's my main focus right now um we're probably going to do more stone sciences but we don't do them as regularly 
And Shank is a little more uh, like kind of like this, just uh, yeah, interviewing your friends and it's just interviews with different comedians within you know my world, and a lot of it I'll talk to them about fashion sometimes, comedy sometimes, cannabis sometimes. It's kind of open ended conversations. It's about like an hour long each episode. Yeah, I've done it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, you were great. It was so fun. Well, we you know for for two people who you know like. I love you, but like, I don't like, you know, it's tough in the comedy world. You see someone, it's like, Hey dude, or Hey, what's up? You hug them and then you go on to the next show or the next conversation. Uh, totally. Especially at the store. It's hard to oh like my God. get into like a real conversation when there's just psycho and sociopaths everywhere. And you're like, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, like, you're right. Especially on Monday nights. It's like, you've got the, the potluck crowd, which is like an ant farm of insanity You've got the Kill Tony, uh, which is a great show, but you know that's how that's an interesting crowd, uh, and that's packed. And then when they let out, you've got the potluck crowd mixing with the the Kill Tony crowd, and then you've got the paid regulars, uh, which you know we're no uh, less wackier than those two groups, and and so it's just a fascinating mix of freaks. Yeah. And but it's like two hundred people, and so you. You know, I see you, I hug you, and I, oh, now I got to talk to this person. You got to talk to right. that person. And so you don't really, that's what I love about podcasts is it gives you a, a chance to know your friends a little better. Yeah, it gives you an opportunity to actually talk to people because, I mean, it's so hard to get into conversations at the store, especially. It's just like. And everyone's trying to, like, you're not like this and I'm not like this, but, you know, you do run into conversations where you're, you're hitting a good groove and then someone's, oh my God, there's Rob Schneider. I got to go talk to him. And, yeah you know like you know oh my god there's they thirsty like people want stuff oh from god. other people and so it's store. it's weird because um it's crazy to see how insane the store has gotten even like on mondays just like monday nights in the in that or like they use it used to not be like that oh no i mean uh before the you know regime change <laughs> the regime Maybe yeah that's the wrong word but like the the Shift in management. Yeah. And, uh, you know, getting rid of certain uh, people who were booking the talent. And replacing them. <laughs> yeah. Well, totally. I mean, you, uh, I think the person uh, who did it before the current uh, person, uh, you know, he just had some interesting views on society and uh, some very interesting accounting methods. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was the weirdest. You'd give me the weirdest advice. Advice. But I would think you guys would hit it off just because, you know, he had a, uh, let's just say he had a love of the uh, cannabis uh, products uh, more so than most. Um, No, he would, no, he did that. He would do that thing where he would be like, uh, he he would ask to smoke weed and then he would like tell him ask about comedy sort of Tommy is that what? yeah yeah it's Tommy we're talking about that. um yeah but like he, he was probably high when he was giving you advice so he was like, just, he was yeah high all the time it seemed like he'd be like you have great eyes and they say uh, eyes are a window to your soul so you have great ones so thank your parents for me yeah I'm like <laughs> you're doing comedy open up your eyes. <laughs> People can look at him. It's amazing. Uh, but but you would think I would get along with him because he's like an 80s dude and he loved like, I don't know, the same shitty music I like. And uh, But we, we did not bond. 
until he came on the podcast and I just let him talk. And, uh, but, you know, luckily they changed things and, you know, now it's just like, you know, it's it's really undescribable. You have to go yeah. to the comedy store to, to see what me and Sarah are talking about because it's just... Like, totally. Well, Adam makes the lineups really great. So. Oh, my God. Adam is like, I mean, someone I owe a lot to. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I there's not enough time in the world for me to thank him properly because uh, it's but it's such a tough job like you know t there's 12 spots a night or 15 uh, and there's probably 100 comics who are deserving right and and they all want something and they only have so much availability and they yeah. it's so it's it's crazy i mean when you really like i can't imagine starting again from scratch at the comedy store or just going there now i mean it's tough i mean i know on potluck alone there's two hundred and seventy to 200 people each week sign up yeah it wasn't like that when i first started coming to potluck i think that the sign up sheet was sheep the sign up sheet was uh 40 people i was 40 spots and it wasn't yeah. filled so you had yeah. maybe 30 to 40 spots and uh you know it's just kind of like who gave the person who made the list weed or yeah. get on and homeless people would get on and literally homeless. Yeah. Homeless people would get on. It was like the freak shows. Yeah. And also, but Pollock was also on Sunday and Monday. Yeah. So there was a, you know, you had a little more, the odds were a little better back then because they would put up pretty much whoever, if you did whatever for the person making the list and you had two nights instead of one now. I mean, that's how crowded the store is now that they had to take away the open mic on Sunday because, like, well, we can just do a regular show now. Yeah. And that's more spots that, you know, Adam can at least give people. I mean, now on Sundays there's a main room show, there's an OR show, and, and usually something going on in the belly room. Like, it's in tonight, Tuesday nights are crazy there. You know, it's got roast battles packed and main room. There, there never was a main room show on Tuesday nights. Yeah. Ever. It's just crazy because I feel like it's it's so busy and it's like hard to like walk around even. Like I don't I used to hang out a lot more because I felt like it was easier to hang out a lot more. And it was just like now it just feels like it's so crowded with yeah. like fans of podcasts and just comedy fans everywhere and it's just it's like overwhelming. Yeah, it it almost adds to your anxiety. It does because it's like I, I didn't even take into consideration the podcast situation. Like, because now they have a great podcast uh, center studio, whatever you want to call it, at the Comedy Store. That's where you do Shank, right? Yes, we recorded there. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a you know, so you've got now podcast fans, you know, uh, coming down to the store to get in that world. So it, it's just like. Uh, it's visually overwhelming for me. It's like it, you can't look anywhere without, oh, my God, I have to talk to them or I have to. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it adds, you know, I have to read a self-help book after I leave the <laughs> no, store. Seriously. No, but really, though, I do, too. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the store. I better put on some some self-help shit so that I can get in the right mental frame of mind before. Yeah. I mean, I'll sometimes park my car at the gym I go to and listen to a self-help tape as i'm walking up to the that's store so funny that's what i do too i was listening to jen sincero one time on my way into the store because i'm like 
it's it can be so mentally taxing and like so much of i think performance is being in the right headspace because you have to be able to get on stage whether things are good or they're not good yeah i mean and and at the store it's like it's so uh the stakes are so much higher than they ever were uh that you feel the second you hit the patio you've got to be like either saying hey i'm doing this or i'm on this or i'm on this cartoon i i got this going on i'm on a show here tomorrow with sarah or you know like there's no like hey what's up like there's no casual conversation right that's almost that makes it almost exhausting sometimes you have to go right into pitch mode (laughs) i'm doing this (laughs) right so and i hate doing that i hate it when but the worst is when other people start pitching you and you're like i don't really care about your projects right now you know what i mean when you're just (laughs) like i'm just trying to hang out i don't care what you're working on (laughs) well most of them are full of shit yeah there's a lot of that there's a lot of um that's like a whole scene such a weird specific scene well yeah i mean it's it's uh, i mean tonight i I, unless i have a spot i don't go up there on roast battle nights because you know that's a whole different animal Oh yeah no roast battle gives me severe anxiety like i it's my fucking nightmare the thought of hearing people say mean things about me and then i'm supposed to respond with mean things about them and not feel like crying like the whole reason i did comedy was to feel accepted not so that i could feel more alone you know what i mean and like for me hearing insults about myself that's my nightmare so i just don't do it um i just kind of stay in my lane in that way like i've always known that it's not my thing and been fine with that well i even think i mean first of all it's the you know it's a show that's given me everything i have so uh, totally uh, even though it's not my uh my jam uh at the moment (laughs) yeah um you know i'm very thankful for it but you know you know, it's bad enough at the comedy store. You have all the comics pitching their bullshit to you and how great their careers are when their schedules are more wide open than, <laughs> you know, the fucking desert plains of, you know, Nevada. But then you got the roast battle comics. Like, I think some of them are starting to clue in on, oh, this show's not really helping me in the stand-up world. Uh, wow. <laughs> you know, so now right. they have to pitch you how great they're doing I'm number 15 on the rankings. Well, that's not going to help you up here. Like, right. It's you know. it's interesting because they are two different things. Yeah. Like it's, it's just a different skill set. And I think so many people uh, thought uh, it's going to help you at the comedy store. And it really doesn't. No. It's just like, oh, cool. You won your battle. Cool. Tomorrow people will forget that that happened. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Good luck. You know, now, yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you're going to be seen here as a comic and. Uh, you know, there's really only a handful of people who, who, in my view, can do both. So nobody cares. Right. And for me, for me, the reason I never did it was also because I would rather write something that I can use in my longer set. Right. Then like I write this, I take so much. I think it's great to be able to write stuff on like a short timeline and to be able to write in that way and, and do that. Um, But for me, it's just, I don't it doesn't come naturally. And I think it, I'd rather work on something that I can use in a larger set again and again. But I would almost like to see you do one just because I think your delivery would be so fucking funny. And so, uh, like probably my favorite person to ever watch roast battle is someone who didn't really like to do it, but he was so good at it was Brendan Lynch. Okay. And he's very dry, incredibly dark. And he would just, 
look at the other person and then almost like our delivery style, just right. tear them down. Yeah. Like I think that if I did it, I could be really, really, really mean. Yeah. Cause you're so uh, like, it's, you're so nice looking just visually. You're like, Oh, she couldn't say anything mean and you could. Right. And like, uh, you know, it's like same thing with Kim. Like right. Kim's a very pretty girl and, and, uh, she's very cool and nice and laid back. But, uh, you know, when she's got that roast battle blinder on, it's like, wow. It's, she becomes a different person. But so do I. Like, yeah. You know, like, I'm a pretty nice dude, but like when I'm battling, like, it's on. Oh, you want to say something about my parents dying? Guess what? Your comedy sucks. Yeah. Which I think is the best. No one really attacks that angle in roast battle. Like, that's a good point because that's like pretty much the worst thing I think you could say to yeah. a comic, right? Like if you and I were battling, which will never happen, but right. just like let's just say for the sake of this conversation, and I said something about your looks. Yeah. You know every guy in that room is attracted to you. Right. And what so it's like, well, that's not true. Uh but if I said something about your I don't know, maybe something about your parents or your podcast, you're like, Well, my podcast is popular, so that's not true. But if I attacked your comedy, that right. hurts your soul. Yeah. That would hurt my soul. Yeah. Like for it would sure. hurt my soul. Like, you know, people attack my age. It's like, well, I well, I look better than you, so I'm I'm good with how old I am. And oh, you want to attack my last relationship? Well, you know, she was a pretty cool person. So uh I'm pretty sure every guy in here would want to you know, hang out with her. So I'm good on that too. Uh, right. If you said, Earl, you're not funny. I'd be like, fuck you, man. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not funny, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what Brendan would, you know, he wouldn't say, well, Sarah, you look like, you know, yeah, that's easy. You look like a, a Muppet. Uh, I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. He would like, he would, he would listen to your comedy and then he would pick it up. Not yours, but mine. No. Yours, yeah. Whoever, yeah. Totally. And then pick it apart. <laughs> no one would want to battle. That's actually genius. It really is. Because if you watch most roast battles, it's kind of generic. Well, you look like Larry the Cable Guy fucked uh, this, you know, I don't know, Donald Trump. And yeah, there, there's like formulas that yeah. people use. And I've used those formulas, but you know, I would just like to see you battle once. Maybe I will. No, nah, I wouldn't do it. Not no, gonna, not I just get you. it. I get really into it all of a sudden. A late that would be so funny if you just like didn't. You know, roast battle has been around. I think they had the five year anniversary recently, and and you just came in toward the end, and just, just, started just fucking like here killing people for the last. Yeah, the last glory run. But I would, I could see you on TV doing it, and I know it's not your thing, and and you know, it's I a, could do it. I just but, don't have that itch. But like if I'm Comedy Central, I would cast you. And I'm not Comedy Central. And if you are Comedy Central and you did cast me, then I'd write the fuck out of those roasts. But I could see you, know? you would be great on TV. Like, because you're like, you have a, and this is a compliment. I'm not like roasting you. Like, no, no. I'm so paranoid with what how people take what I say. Uh, you got like an Adams family, like a Wednesday. And that's like. What, I love that. People tell me that all the time. I had the biggest crush on Wednesday Adams. Like, yes. wow. It's, like, it was just like, could you kind of dress like her? And like, yeah. Uh, so that would be like, if I was watching TV flipping channels and I saw you battling whoever, I'm like, well, I'm going to watch this. I don't know what this show's about, but this is, this is interesting. So 
Thank you. Comedy Central, I know you listen to this podcast. Hey, Comedy Central. To hear my bitterness (laughs) about how I was wronged on that show. But you got your self-help regimen now, so. I do. I love Comedy Central. (laughs) I, I love how I was treated on the show. I really enjoyed all the hard battles I faced while other people were given people who've never done the fucking show before. <laughs> I'm really thankful for Comedy Central. And, and Brian Moses, my boy, Jeff Ross, thank you for the TV credits you've given me. And I really hope success for all the roast battlers who talk shit behind my back. I just think you guys are wonderful people. <laughs> Sarah... I Thank love you, you to I death. I love you so much. So much fun. An hour and 20 minutes. And it flew by so like fast. That. Uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? At Princess Shank. Princess like normal and then S-H-E-N-K. And you have Stone Science Podcasts. Stone Science and then Stone Science Online on YouTube. YouTube Stone Science. Um, there's 12 episodes. There's all kinds of great comics on them. There's one with Big J Ogerson, Doug Benson, fun episodes check those out and then check out shank it's my podcast on itunes stitcher spotify laughable all of those things and that's s-h-e-n-k and follow your podcasting partner in crime the legendary kim congdon yes she's awesome do you know her uh, twitter is it just kim congdon uh one of i think her twitter is kim congdon and then her or her twitter is kimberly congdon her instagram's kim congdon okay that's c-o-n-g-d-o-n is her last name just kim or kimberly yeah uh, it's either kim or kim she's awesome uh if you're in new york go check her out at the show uh and follow sarah weinshank she's one of the good ones in this business Thank you. Super funny. He's got a lot of things going on. And also follow Gino, the amazing Gino at Speedweed. He's the best. Follow Joe Rogan. He don't need it, but follow Joe. Follow Big Jay Okerson. <laughs> We're just one big podcasting family. It's true. And the comedy store, the greatest club on earth. Follow them too. And... Next week, we have a special guest coming on. I'll keep you in suspense on that one. Leave a review for all of Sarah's podcasts. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for bringing that up. Leave a review. It makes a big difference. It does. People don't understand. Like, Right. Part of the rankings of iTunes is, I don't know who looks at it, but whoever is working at iTunes, how many reviews does this podcast have? Oh, they have 200. We should feature them or... Get them in the news and noteworthy section. So like if you leave a review for Stone Science or Shank or Inappropriate Earl, it actually helps. It'll help us get bigger guests, better guests. Because, you know, no guests come on a podcast that they don't think people listen to. Totally. You know, they're like, I'm not good at that. What's the benefit? Right. So, you know, support all the podcasts. And uh, it's a better podcast at the end of the day for you to listen to. So I love you all. Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud, iTunes. Thank you all. Yeah.